Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast, Anything But Normal. This is Dr. G. I'm here with Travis and Vanessa, and today we'll be talking about hemorrhoids. Nice. I have a lot of questions about this, so I'm very excited. Yeah. Well, usually a lot of people do. You know, the most common thing that people come into my office for are hemorrhoids, but I would say less than half of them actually have issues with their hemorrhoids. But one important fact is that everyone has hemorrhoids. Everybody? Mm-hmm. Even me? Yeah, you have hemorrhoids. It's just whether or not they're bothering you. So everyone has the anatomy. Um, they're basically these, what they call vascular cushions, or basically a, a tissue with a little bit of muscle and blood vessels in it that can enlarge and cause you symptoms. Um, but yes, everyone has them. It's just whether or not they're they're bothering you. So hemorrhoids have definitely been uh, paying the bills right like for the most part during covid right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna actually bring that up because uh everybody's sort of stuck at home and sometimes the only refuge you have is the bathroom um but if uh, maybe it's just an old wife's tale or whatever but like i feel like i've heard sitting on the toilet too long causes hemorrhoids or so are you saying you go hide in the bathroom from your wife and child? Maybe, but they do they do it too. <laughs> He's like, oh this gosh. Is job security for me. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Uh, so so sitting on the toilet, um, that is actually one of the main things that can worsen hemorrhoids. So limiting your time on the toilet is usually one of the first things in conservative treatment that I prescribe for patients. Um, sitting on the toilet, you are in a position where gravity um, bearing down kind of the relaxation of the sphincter muscles and those vessels can engorge with blood and they enlarge and that's when they can start causing you symptoms both internal and external hemorrhoids okay so what's like the ideal amount of time to spend in there just have your bowel movement and get up right away and we'll, we'll talk about fiber but really you should be able to pass the bowel movement within a few minutes or really? not less i mean within seconds actually um, oh, wow. if it's nice and bulked with fiber so you know like there's also a lot of other causes for hemorrhoids one thing working in your office that has uh, made it i guess me more aware of uh of, of I've, I've been i would go back and forth on whether or not i wanted to have children because of what they do to your body as a woman and what children or hemorrhoids do to your body i feel like children cause hemorrhoids for more reason than one but just pregnancy alone before the kids even on the, on the planet um they're already wreaking havoc on on various things one of them primarily being the woman's butthole and creating you know there's a lot of issues with uh, or patients who come in during their pregnancy that have had issues with pregnancy so how do you how do you normally treat something like that? Is it better to address it before, while it's happening, or do you suggest waiting afterwards? Well, I always think the best treatment would be preventative, you know, preventing anything from happening in the first place. Um, so why don't we talk about anything that could potentially worsen your hemorrhoids, and then we'll get in a little further on preventing them specifically in pregnancy. Um, hemorrhoids... Um, can be worsened by, as we talked about, sitting on the toilet too long. So even if you're not constipated, but just spending a lot of time in that position, spending a lot of time sitting, some people get them all, just spending a lot of time standing just because of gravity. So constipation, uh, a lot of straining, bearing down, um, those can that can worsen hemorrhoids. Um, 
heavy lifting, so many trips to the gym, competitive weightlifters can experience issues with hemorrhoids. Just the anytime you increase your abdominal pressure, so coughing, actually a chronic cough can worsen hemorrhoids. And then we talked about pregnancy. So you can't say so, that during COVID. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like not only do I have this, but now I gotta get a hemorrhoid from it. <laughs> yeah, the COVID cough's gonna give you hemorrhoids. COVID hemorrhoids, <laughs> guys. It's fine. It's not. It's just COVID. <laughs> Um, but, but, and we already kind of mentioned, uh, pregnancy, but, but why specifically in pregnancy? So, uh, during pregnancy, you have increased blood volume, uh, overall throughout your body. Uh, so that can cause them to engorge. And then also the weight of the baby, a lot oftentimes women are placed on iron pills, um, during the pregnancy because of anemia and they can uh, definitely get constipated because iron can cause constipation. Um, and then during delivery, I mean, during delivery, you're straining for hours at a time, sometimes an entire day in labor and so that itself you know would could burst blood vessels down there and cause issues with the hemorrhoids so uh yeah so you're trying things. to get away from your kid and creating hemorrhoids while your wife has already probably created her own because of said child and you're leaving her with that child who just gave her all those hemorrhoids i i have no idea what your wife's hemorrhoid situation is just disclaimer i'm just <laughs> Yeah, we never even discussed that. I knew I heard the whole list of all the the things that happened, and I I felt like hemorrhoids was pretty low on the list, but like still pretty substantial. You know, it's funny because some women don't have any issues with hemorrhoids at all, or they won't have issues with one pregnancy and then the next one they do. So rhyme or reason, I don't know. Maybe they were more constipated or spent a certain time, you know, longer in delivery. I'm not sure, um, but. So there, there are different areas of hemorrhoids, and they can cause you symptoms in different ways. So, um, so it's like a flare, like a flare up, or just like a reaction to a certain thing. Yes. So, so inside hemorrhoids um, typically are not painful because they're above where you can feel. So the blood vessels actually come in, and the start of the hemorrhoids is inside, and they're particularly larger in three different columns. So uh, internal hemorrhoids, uh, they are inside as as internal implies and they cause symptoms because they can enlarge so the blood vessels come in particularly in three different areas left lateral right anterior and right posterior and those are usually the areas where they enlarge and those columns can extend to the outside to the external hemorrhoids okay so hemorrhoidal tissue is circumferential but they typically enlarge in those three different areas and so internal hemorrhoids are not painful because they're above where you can feel but they can enlarge they can cause bleeding and they can actually get so big they come outside with a bowel movement some people have to push them back up inside oh yeah we've had situations like that where she'll go into the exam room and then step out for a minute walk into the bathroom that's connected to one of the exam rooms, um, unlock it and basically kind of have the patient Produce so she can see, like, yeah, let it and push it out. And then she'll be like, okay, we're well, just going to pop it right back in. Well, and the reason I do that, yeah, the reason I do that is because when someone tells me they have prolapsing tissue, there's actually a couple different etiologies that can cause that. So you can have internal hemorrhoid prolapse or you can have rectal prolapse. So, so it really depends on what it looks like. And if they don't have a picture on their phone, which sometimes they do, um, and that may save me time with a trip to the bathroom with them. But yeah, I will have them sit on the toilet, strain have me come in take a look uh, which in itself can be embarrassing but um, it's necessary to 
I guess, rule out rectal prolapse, which is a completely different treatment. So without actually, like, looking, because it's just, like, what what is it that, how would they feel around to, like, realize, like, that's not normal. Is it something just, like, it's just kind of, you know, your own butthole, and you know that that's probably, that hasn't been there forever, or? Right. So it's it's a question that I ask in, in, just their history. So, so I ask, you know, when you sit on the toilet, do you feel tissue that comes out, comes to the outside from the inside? Does it go back up inside? Do you have to push it back up inside? Do you feel anything when you wipe that you don't feel when you clean yourself in the shower? So, so that's kind of a way I word it to them be like, you know what? It does feel different. It's more swollen where I feel like something does come outside. And then when I stand up, I feel it go back up inside on its own or no, there's, there's a lot of tissue that comes out and I have to push it back up inside. Or some people, it, it's, it won't go back up inside. Sometimes it can get right stuck now? outside. I am doing some butt kegels right now. This is freaking me out. <laughs> you didn't know your ass could fall out, did you? No, well, you know what's In what, multiple ways. What's strange to me is you're talking about like you feel something when you wipe. I guess I could feel it on my my butt, but I, I don't know that I would feel it like with like my hand or anything. So I would, I'm like, you know, for all I know, this is happening. I just don't know. Like, you're you're going to change up your wiping technique is basically what you're... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm on like quadruple ply toilet paper wearing mittens and it's uh, like, I guess I got to get a little more intimate with You're like it. a dog rubbing your butt on the ground. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, oftentimes whenever they do have internal hemorrhoids prolapsing outside, when they wipe, they have to keep wiping because there's, I mean, there's tissue there they have to clean around. And so it's not easy to get clean. So is that, so that a good indicator that if, if it's something where you're having difficulty getting the area clean, whereas that's not something that you're constantly running into and your, your fecal matter looks pretty standard, if, you, if you're noticing yourself having to clean a little bit more than... So noticing you have to clean more can be multiple things. So it can be that you have you know, hemorrhoids that are causing, you know, I guess the t- the stool to become trapped in certain areas and you have to clean a lot to get it clean. Um, the other thing could be you just don't have enough fiber in your diet. So you could have no issues with hemorrhoids, but you just don't have enough fiber. So when you go to the bathroom, you're not emptying completely. So some of the stool is just still right there at the rectal anal junction. And so it's just kind of one of those things where Oh, I forget what show it was, but they talk about when you wipe and you f- and you keep wiping and you feel like there's like a brown marker there and you just keep <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps coming. Uh, and I, so just the visual, yeah, just keeps popping out. I feel like that's my every morning. I, I usually give it like three or four wipes and then I'm like, I'm just gonna go get in the shower for a while. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's a good way to clean off because if you if you wipe too much or have to clean too much, then you can cause other issues um, and break down of the skin and irritation. So itching. So and like I know preparation. H has their own particular towelette, but I've also seen that somewhere, I can't remember where I read it, but uh, they stated that using an excessive amount or baby wipes, for instance, is probably not, because the area is sensitive, that they would probably suggest not using baby wipes as often. Maybe, I don't know, for the final 
sweep. <laughs> so, so to clean, you know, when you have this prolapsing hemorrhoid tissue, it can be quite delicate because it's supposed to be up inside and it's kind of hanging out on the outside. So it gets quite irritated. So it can start bleeding. Um, it can become swollen. And like I said, they can actually get stuck outside. So yeah, when you're, when you feel like you're cleaning around hemorrhoid tissue, a lot of times just applying some pressure and maybe some of the swelling will go back up inside and you'd prevent any damage to the tissue with multiple wipes with something that's not you know softer or uh, delicate um the what i would recommend to clean with so oftentimes just wet toilet paper um or using wipes are okay as long as they don't have alcohol in them so alcohol can be irritating or drying and cause itchy amos so i guess it's yeah the same thing where it's just like water for the water would probably be just Right. Water-based, no soaps. Um, you know, you can, there are some very gentle soaps, like one called Balneol that you can use um, to clean um, or just getting in the shower and, and washing off the air or investing in a bidet. <laughs> Those are all options. So that's a little bit about internal hemorrhoids. Um, do you guys have any other questions about internal hemorrhoids? Yeah. So just for, so we're on consensus, like no, no wet wipes, just like, like she no, said. No, wet wipes one. are okay. I think wet wipes are okay as long as they don't have alcohol in them. Okay. Uh, so baby wipes or flushable wipes are fine. Um, if, in fact, I feel like they're more gentle than toilet paper oftentimes. But dry, rough toilet paper can be pretty irritating to the area. See, you were already on the right track. You didn't even know, Travis. You were yeah. sitting there like, all right, time to jump in the shower. You're doing the right <laughs> thing. That's probably why no hemorrhoids. Yeah, just do the lazy <laughs> thing every time. And... Just like, I don't have time for this shit. Literally. <laughs> 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 so most of the time, if you have swelling in that area, I will say hemorrhoids usually can be the culprit. Now, pain, though, oftentimes when people come in with pain and they say they have hemorrhoids, it, it may be caused by something else. But hemorrhoids can cause pain, usually not internal hemorrhoids unless they're stuck on the outside, then they can become painful. But external hemorrhoids definitely can cause pain. So I don't know if either of you have ever experienced it, but it typically feels like swelling little like a marble or pee on the outside that can be quite uncomfortable so like how would you know so like i don't know if you've ever had cold sores or not i know myself and dr g we've you know i've had them all my life since i was a kid and you get like a little tingly sensation and Mm -hmm. you're like oh god it's coming and you run for the abriva and try to get it you know so like does your butthole have like a spider sense or something that yeah. goes off <laughs> so like, like it's Spider-Man. preparation time yeah yeah. <laughs> I, yeah i guess some people that may have had hemorrhoids before would know when they get it again but oftentimes it's less or more severe like it may not feel exactly the same but uh instant discomfort some swelling oftentimes i'll i would recommend maybe applying some ice because ice can be a vasoconstrictor which means it it constricts the blood vessels which may help stop the bleeding maybe we should get into a little bit what causes the hemorrhoid to rupture or or what causes the pain Um, and so we kind of mentioned sitting on the toilet straining but oftentimes the external hemorrhoid symptoms are an acute symptom meaning that you were doing something like pushing really hard on the toilet you went to go lift something really heavy and then you're like oh what's that it's often like a sudden incident where i don't think you could really do anything to prevent it but you could immediately start treatments that could prevent it from being i guess as bad as spidey senses on the if way you didn't basically yes, yes. <laughs> um but applying ice um hydrocortisone cream um and 
basically starting a fiber supplement, which I think everyone should take fiber. I feel like we should put it in the water. Yes, yes. So that is one thing that I did. she recommends to all of her patients, and they start to have questions about whether or not there is a particular um, brand that Dr. G likes to uh, suggest, but it's basically like a water-soluble one. It's probably like you're the best that you would suggest. I swear by it. They, is it like the, the ones you like? You see the commercials, they dump the spoon of stuff in the water and then Yeah, and, okay. and a lot of people confuse it with Miralax because it mm-hmm. sounds similar. So uh, yeah. Metamucil, or, mm-hmm. it's made up of psyllium husk. And so it, there's two types of fiber. There's soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. Now, both are good in your diet, but particularly for hemorrhoids or for gut health and, and lowering the pressure in the colon and improving hemorrhoids and anorectal problems is insoluble fiber. So I usually hand patients a big list of, you know, f- foods that are high in insoluble fiber and then also add in a fiber supplement because you know your goal is 25 to 30 grams of fiber a day and most people get maybe 15 yeah. you know if you say i oh, i eat vegetables i get fiber so maybe they get 15 grams but but not near what they need to probably less than half yeah when they hit the door they have questions and they're like so what do, what do i get and it is a lot like you go in thinking like okay i'm gonna have all these issues i'm probably gonna have to have surgery and they're like okay i just gotta change my diet and add this and they have so many questions i would keep some like i had little packets in my desk mm-hmm. and i would like this is what i use and it's like this little on the go one you just pour it in like a water bottle and you mix it and you go i would just chug it like it like like i was at the bar just <laughs> <laughs> take <laughs> shots of metamucil yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do rounds um but yeah it's it's just the easiest thing to incorporate life changing yeah life changing like it's I had actually had my boyfriend. I was like, this is what, like, it's part of our routine in the morning. Like, take it. Do you take psyllium husk? I don't know. And I, that was actually my next question was, like, I want to do anything to avoid uh, <laughs> hemorrhoids. This uh, is uh, over here taking notes, guys. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, and so can you OD on... No. On fiber, like can no. you if you get get too wild well, with it? Well, so if you take a lot of fiber and you don't drink enough water, it can make you more constipated. So that I would say that would be the okay. only setback. But so, but if you drink plenty of water, taking fiber, like it, it can make you a little gas and bloated as soon, especially if you're not used to having that much fiber, and all of a sudden you take in a, a ton of fiber, then it can definitely cause some gas and bloating. So typically, if people complain about that, then I'll say, okay, let's switch up the type of fiber you're using because maybe psyllium husk isn't sitting well for you or whatever. So they can. Do flax seeds, chia seeds, you know, add in different options to see what sits with them better, or or start with a smaller dose and kind of work your way up to the recommended dose. So those are all options. Um, but yeah, fiber is a lifesaver for many people. Mm-hmm. It's it's there's so many people who are just like I just have to do this one thing. I mean, obviously diet that's just like a standard like yeah. life change. But as far as you know your bowels and everything and, and being able to have a normal life like that, what that and like probiotics. Probiotics right? are good, um, especially if you take antibiotics or for some reason feel like you throw off your gut bacteria. So the antibiotics will throw off the good bacteria in your colon by killing them off and the o- bad bacteria can overgrow. So you want to take a probiotic to kind of get it back in alignment. So that's like the little like Yakult. Okay. A little, yeah. yeah. Or a line yeah. is, is like yeah. a name brand. Yeah. But really they all have similar you know cultured bacteria that's normally in your gut and so you don't need to spend a lot of money on a probiotic but just taking it every once in a while to get your gut bacteria back in health yeah it's interesting like how many just little subtle changes have such an impact 
on your body, especially, you know, your gut bacteria, I guess. It's like getting that straightened out can just change your health and in, in like just your normal day. I think that's a thing too, like a lot of times people just go on their life thinking like, well, this is, I've been dealing with this issue my whole life, so this is, this is what normal yeah. is. And then yeah, they're like, used to it. yeah, yeah. And so like, I guess what, like with that kind of hemorrhoidal pain or things like that, it, it usually, and I'm sure there's been a couple of patients where they just wait too long and then they end up in her office, like trying to get in the very next day because it's gotten in a pretty hemorrhoid bad. emergency yeah. situation mm-hmm. yeah so and we can we can you can definitely have a hemorrhoid emergency situation we can talk about that in a second but if you like suspect like I, okay i think i have a hemorrhoid how long like should i try to treat it at home first you know like preparation h obviously the fiber or or should i just like make an appointment right away or give it a few so, days i think you can wait um the thing is if someone comes in within the first couple of days, so so a thrombose hemorrhoid is an external hemorrhoid where you've ruptured a blood vessel straining, like I mentioned, and it causes the swelling and pain on the outside. Now this can vary from very minor to the size of a walnut, okay? So they can get quite large and uncomfortable where people can't sit, they can't really function. So if it's severe where you can't function, then if you come in within the first two, three days, then I'll offer to remove it, you know? Um, and if you, wait longer than that it's like day four or five it's almost already getting better usually by then on its own that it's less discomfort for them if they just ride it out versus if i trade you trading a swollen painful lump for a cut so it's kind of like pick your poison it's not going to be perfect when i remove it because it's going to be painful when the numbing medicine wears off but then you're not sitting on a lump for a week you know because well, it can so, take two weeks to resolve right and that's the thing too so a lot of times people will call in and then they'll be like and you know ask well what are you what are you coming in for what symptoms are you experiencing and they're like oh, i'm wrong <laughs> like what i'm sorry and they're like hold on hold on hold on and they have to find a quiet room and be like i'm having issues with hemorrhoids and i've been having an issue with it for a while but that's kind of the the so at what point is it, and I guess what severity, I guess, to where it's something where it, you can handle it in the office and it's something that can be addressed for vanity issues. I know that there's been a lot of people who call just wanting to come in because, I don't know, maybe they're, you know, they're back on the prowl and they haven't been with somebody for a while and they want a brand new pretty butthole and they don't want anybody looking at their butthole with hemorrhoids <laughs> so and so they've come in and they just want to have it addressed for vanity right so 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 the other's one extreme to the other like literally no symptoms just they don't like how it looks versus severe pain can't function can't sit down and there can be pretty severe cases of hemorrhoids where not only do you have one area of thrombosis but the entire anal area can be swollen with thrombosis. So, so those patients, you know, I've had some that, you know, I think it's better, especially if they're unhealthy, older patient and wouldn't tolerate anesthesia well, that we just kind of ride it out, you know, hydrocortisone cream, limit your time on the toilet, warm baths, take a fiber supplement, and eventually it will get better. Um, now there are times when that's not the case is that if the inside hemorrhoids come and get stuck on the outside. And the reason for that is because when that happens, it's called strangulation or incarceration. 
Incarceration means they're stuck outside and they won't go back inside. Strangulation means it's cutting off the blood supply. So when the hemorrhoid blood supply is cut off, they start to die. So they come in and their hemorrhoids are stuck outside and they look black or purple. Um, that's when I'm like, all right, well, we're going to schedule you today. <laughs> Those hemorrhoids are so coming like, off today. You can't just like flick it off and like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's already dying. <laughs> well, the problem is with the dying, it can get infected and they can go into sepsis. Okay. And so it's best to surgically remove it. Okay. Well, and, and the thing is too, when they call, they try to ask us again, you know, they yeah. think we're the doctor and we're like, we're just, she's not going to schedule the appointment that's what we're here for because she's busy um there are different treatments for different severities um i do know so she does something called a rubber band ligation um and if i'm jumping ahead no we'll okay. talk about treatments okay but... um but yeah so it's she does conservative if it's something that can be handled in the office we let them know she'll either do a rubber band ligation or you know she can remove it here in the office and then if it's something more severe require, requiring hemorrhoid surgery like a hemorrhoidectomy you know then that's something that you're gonna have to sit with her and discuss and then sh you'll discuss it with their surgery scheduler and then we'll schedule it right. so it's kind of at what point do you decide yeah. who qualifies so, for what? So we can talk about, you know, conservative treatment, which would be no surgery planned, office-based treatments that can be done in the office, and then surgical treatments that are scheduled. So there's kind of like three different varieties of, of treatment. So um, for, and it kind of depends on what hemorrhoids you're talking about. So, so just to back up a little bit. So with external hemorrhoids, usually, I would say, they almost always resolve on their own. You can get something called a chronically thrombosed hemorrhoid where it just is not getting better on its own. It may just keep bleeding a little bit or keep causing swelling and inflammation, and then that may need to be removed. But most of them will get resolved with, you know, the treatments they we just listed like earlier. Deflate. Yeah, they just kind of deflate. So, so the problem with that then, and like you mentioned, the person coming in with just a little bit of extra hemorrhoid tissue on the outside, that's actually extra skin. So when you get the thrombosed hemorrhoid, you stretch out the skin and then when the thrombosis goes away or your body breaks down that blood clot, you're left with the stretched out skin. So that's what often people say, I got these hemorrhoids I've had for 30 years. Um, it's, it's the stretched <laughs> out skin that's left there that bothers them because sometimes it's hard to keep clean. It's just more It's hard to, to clean around them. Right. And sometimes they're like worried about what it looks like. You say more love. <laughs> Find love in all shapes and forms. <laughs> but so so those are kind of the options for treating external hemorrhoids. Um, excising them, doing nothing. Some people come back in to have the extra skin removed later, and it's just because they don't like what it looks like or they have trouble keeping clean around it. So when we talk about options for like uh, treatments, we typically talk about internal hemorrhoids. So when do hemorrhoids really need treatment? So they can bleed, they can prolapse outside, as I mentioned. And so those are two most common reasons, but they can also cause some like itching and, and other symptoms are burning around the anus because when they, when they have partial prolapse, there's some mucus drainage that can moisture around the anus can cause some itching and burning. That's um, hot. <laughs> so so those those are reasons to get them treated so depending on how big they are um and the severity of the symptoms i would make recommendations based on that usually in the office and 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 sometimes i'll always try conservative treatment first if they go get better within like a month or two uh then offer them more aggressive treatment so the options for conservative treatment would be 
limiting your time on the toilet, taking a fiber supplement, avoiding straining, heavy lifting, avoiding pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But those are kind of the conservative ways to to, um, hopefully get them under control. Now, there are a few options for office treatments. The only one that I offer would be rubber banding, as you mentioned earlier, kind of talked about a little bit, but rubber banding can only be done for internal hemorrhoids. Um, And rubber banding is essentially taking a tiny little rubber band and placing it around the hemorrhoid tissue. Um, And it's kind of cool because I have this little hemorrhoid gun. So it it's like, like something out of Star Wars, but it it's does, for your it does. So <laughs> I use an anoscope and, and you get the hemorrhoid in view and the gun has the little rubber band loaded at the edge of it and it's got suction placed on the other end. So when you put the gun up to the hemorrhoid tissue, it sucks the hemorrhoid tissue up inside. You pull the trigger and it deploys the rubber band onto oh, the hemorrhoid tissue. Have you ever tissue. seen the video where like the the father's doing his little girl's hair and yeah. he has the, the vacuum <laughs> yeah. and the rubber bands around the vacuum or oh. is it, the hair's in the vacuum and then the rubber bands around the actual yeah. hose and then that's basically what it is except on loose butt skin <laughs> not like a little girl's hair and the little girl's hair doesn't fall out I guess afterwards <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> my gift <laughs> yes so so I guess it's pretty similar to that um but the hemorrhoid will fall off in like three to five days some people have a little bleeding so I make sure they're not on blood thinners prior to putting the rubber band on and that kind of also scars that hemorrhoid tissue up inside. So I would say this is one of the more, I would say the less definitive treatments. So more likely for your hemorrhoids to come back in the future. So we actually had this patient one time. Um, and if you want to, if you want to cut this out later, like, <laughs> so um, she was underage and she came in with her mother and obviously she didn't want her mother in the room and she actually was like, is this because I've had too much anal? Like she was in college. Wow. So she was like, you know, she was underage, but in college. So she, I think this was her first semester or something. So girl's gone wild for sure. And so she actually had the rubber banding done. And usually we don't have anybody walk out of there with any kind of pain or anything. It's just kind of, they'll get the urgency to, they feel like they have to use the bathroom. Right. So I put the rubber band above where you can feel. So it feels like you really got to go to the bathroom. Like it feels like there's something in there because there is, Mm -hmm. I mean, but your, your rectum only, it doesn't have pain sensation. The only sensation it can send to the brain is pressure. So, so it feels like pressure. It feels like you really got to go for a while and then that feeling goes away. And she was like not having it. She was she was kind of, I don't know, I feel like she was kind of more embarrassed or something, or maybe she just wasn't comfortable, right? Because her her mother started freaking out, and I think you actually had to cut. I had I put the anoscope back in, and I actually removed the rubber band, which, which is really hard to do mm-hmm. because they're so wow. small. And once you put them on, you know, they, they like bounce back to their original size, but then there's this big blob of hemorrhoid tissue that's in the way and you can't even see the rubber band really. So I basically had to like numb her up, put in like a knife, like 11 blade knife mm-hmm. and find like get to where I could push the tissue aside and then like find the little black rubber band and just nick it with the knife till it came off. And it was just, I think her mother was just making it worse. Like, you know yeah. how, like when a child falls down and it they kind of go off of your reaction, exactly, yeah. I think, 
her mother coming in and asking her all like all these questions and da 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 it kind of like overwhelmed her and made her feel embarrassed and yeah. then it kind no of no one was like... ever listening to this podcast is gonna get a rubber band ever <laughs> <laughs> well i was like i was just wondering like how long does that because you said that you feel pressure like how long do you feel that like you have to go to the bathroom so the the pressure feeling is about maybe 24 to 48 hours okay. i mean some people less than that and some people don't feel it at all but like so it's it's so hard to tell people what to expect because it's literally one extreme to the other. Like some people are super uncomfortable and some people don't even know it's there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's related to in general how much they can relax to where how far in I can put the anoscope because the higher up I put it, the less likely chance you are to feel it at all um, and definitely less pressure the higher up. So it's, it's kind of dependable. But like, yeah, most people it's just kind of a, whoo, there's something there and and they feel like they got to go to the bathroom but i have to tell them like do Don't not go, go strain on the toilet mm-hmm. because you may pop the rubber band off so you're not supposed to go like bear down real hard but i mean if you go sit there and nothing happens for a while get up because you know you could add just someone mm-hmm. to pop it just off go and create another one <laughs> go right you on ahead we'll just bill it to your hmo when the hemorrhoid falls off the rubber band just eventually falls off yeah the rubber band just will you're come out with your poop. Yeah. You'll probably just go poop one day and the hemorrhoid and rubber band will fall off. Wow. Yeah. Science. Do you know if you feel it? Like, do you, or is it just like you actually have to make a conscious effort to like turn around and look every time to see if it's gone? Like, no, I mean, I feel like people don't have to pay attention at all. I mean, it's going to fall off. It's going to come out. Now, if they have bleeding, then that's an issue. But, yeah. but otherwise, I don't, you don't have to, it's flushable. <laughs> <laughs> It's not going to clog the toilet. (laughs) These things are like literally two millimeters in size. Like they're tiny, tiny little rubber bands. So some people require multiple hemorrhoid treatments. Some people that come in, they just have one area of hemorrhoids that are causing their symptoms, one rubber band treatment, and they're good for years, you know, or they may never have a symptom once they fix the problems that caused the hemorrhoids in the first place. There are some other office-based treatments. I would feel like those are less and less nowadays like Mm -hmm. there was like an infrared treatment you could do um it used to be a laser treatment that people did but people got a lot of infections from it so really the most common office procedures that would ever be offered now would just be the rubber band ligation that's the only one i offer so do you ever do any you've you've done some some actual excisions but is that just the skin tags itself like excising the skin tag that's yeah. different from correct so so excising the external skin tag is different than that's the... just the balloon that's left over that you're getting rid of yes from the external hemorrhoid thrombosis mm-hmm. correct and uh you know what's funny is like you can bleed a lot from hemorrhoids like some people more so that they've been bleeding for like such a long period of time and they just never did anything about it but you know what's funny is like some people are colorblind and brown and red look mm. the same color to them. So they may not know that they're bleeding. So, you know, I had a guy come in and he was telling me that he kept having um, stool. You know, he was like, there's there's stool. Again. It was actually blood. And he didn't. So it was just, it was just coming out of him he just didn't know like like he would see it in his underwear basically right right and like dripping and Mm. and afterwards when he was trying to wipe and stuff and you know doing the exam is actually blood and he thought it was stool because he was colorblind but yeah so is he like dripping all down the exam table like when you went in like when Hawaii's using downward dog so so the the external hemorrhoids can bleed spontaneously internal hemorrhoids bleeding spontaneously like not with a bowel movement is actually unusual can you tell the difference because I know a lot of people will see like okay if there's any bleeding it's cancer 
it's cancer. Like that's the first thing that they see, right? So is there a way to differentiate whether or not it's like, oh, this is clearly, is it the pain that will differentiate whether or not it's hemorrhoid blood or like concernable blood? Or is it, there's a checklist for, I guess, colorectal cancer. Yeah, so there, just blood. there may be other symptoms. So typically when someone comes in with bleeding, you know, I go through the list of, have you had weight loss? You know, how long have you been having the bleeding? Have your bowel movements changed? Have you ever had a colonoscopy? You know, have your bowel movements gotten skinnier? You know, like, do they look different? And so those are all kind of signs that I check for for cancer. Now, the type of bleeding that they're having, yeah, sometimes, because if the blood is mixed with the stool, that means it's coming from somewhere higher, right? So if it's mixed in, it's usually not hemorrhoids because hemorrhoids are just kind of on the way out. So so it'll look like a a streak of blood or it will be afterwards when you wipe or sometimes it can actually be like squirting in the toilet. Like you can have a blood vessel that's like pump or pumping or like squirt blood into the toilet and turn the entire bowl red. You're getting like kill kill bill vibes? A little bit, yeah. (laughs) I'm actually glad you mentioned that because when I was younger, I had an ulcer and uh, I didn't see any. There was like... The doctor's like, do you have any blood? And I was like, no. But then they were like, well, no, there is blood in there. But since it's coming from higher up. It looks right. different. Yeah. So digestive blood will look different. It'll look black or tarry mm-hmm. yeah. in your stool. So you're, yeah, it, it doesn't look bright red. So that's correct. So that's usually digestive blood. So blood coming from higher can be a variety. Um, uh, so it can be like maroon color. Mm-hmm. It can be anywhere from there to, to where you see, you know, like the bright red. And, you know, it's crazy because... Actually, a couple days ago, I actually saw the lowest hemoglobin I've ever seen from hemorrhoids. This lady almost bled to death from her hemorrhoids. Like her hemoglobin dropped. So normals greater than 10, um, usually between 10 and 11. Um, Well, so most people are actually 13, 14, but anything less than you know, like 11 is usually considered um, anemia. So this lady's hemoglobin was three. Like I've never seen a hemoglobin that low before. I had a one that was five and, and I thought that guy almost bled to death. But this lady, we actually, she passed out as we were rolling her back to surgery. Like that's how low her hemoglobin was. So she was, she was on the, she was seeing the was tunnel. Was she a direct admin or, or did you? Yeah, she, she came in the ER with mm-hmm. rectal bleeding. Mm-hmm. I mean, she must've had that hemorrhoid for a long time. Then, yeah, right? I think she like had it and it was bleeding for a period of time and she'll, she'll get a colonoscopy just to make sure there's no other source of the bleeding. But, um, she probably was bleeding for a long time and then had like some acute bleeding from her hemorrhoids that that led to this severe anemia where she's passing out. But Was she just losing like pints of blood a day or like? It's typically not pints of blood a day, but this lady, you know, potentially because she actually had like a pumping vessel that was exposed that was actively bleeding from her hemorrhoid tissue. Wow. Yeah. So then after you, like you did the surgery and then she, was she just, I mean, obviously she had to like regenerate some blood with them. She, she yeah, she had blood that. transfusion, um, oh, multiple wow. units of blood transfusion. Could and you then... imagine? I had hemorrhoids <laughs> and I get a blood transfusion. For what? For hemorrhoids. That's like Oregon Trail <laughs> stuff where like you get a cold and then you die or like... <laughs> dysentery. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You've died of dysentery. Timmy gets a broken leg or something like, well, Timmy's done. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyone that comes in and you assume the bleeding is from hemorrhoids, you just kind of evaluate how old are they? Do they have a family history of any colon cancer? Because of all comers, so you take all ages of people who present with hemorrhoids, um, 6.7% can have a significant lesion found on a colonoscopy. So that being like a precancerous polyp um, or a, a malignancy. So 
um, it's important to evaluate that. And so I usually perform a colonoscopy on anybody with bleeding that is, you know, it could potentially be coming from hemorrhoids, but there's not, you know, necessarily an obvious source when I do an exam in the office. Anybody above the age of 40, I'll do a colonoscopy on. So... You look like you had a couple of questions or like you wanted to jump in. No, a lot of that was I was just like, well, this is <laughs> this is fascinating and also very, uh, very terrifying. I'm glad you went, you went through all the like how to sort of avoid it. Well, so there is one thing. So she didn't talk about hemorrhoidectomies. No, I was getting to that. Okay. So is that just like I'm what you were talking about? Where you yeah, I, to, like, yeah, I'm seeing because we're kind of like jumping like, around, yeah. and so yeah. I'm like, oh, we'll get to that. But yeah. like, so next, I was going to talk about you know treating internal hemorrhage. So that's why I was kind of going conservative treatment, yeah, an office yeah. treatment. Okay, what can we do for surgery? You know, so that can be kind of next because I do want to talk on that about her specifically. Because mm-hmm. you get like that's where you get into like robotics and stuff, right? No, robotics is typically for colorectal lesions, like, or diverticulitis, um, but mostly abdominal surgery. There can, I do transanal robotics, um, but usually that's done for either large polyps or cancer. So, so typically not robotics for hemorrhoids. Okay. And then what was that? You said anal, anal, anal scope? Or... So that's what she talked about yesterday where yeah. she does the... Um, the little the... scope I put up mm-hmm. inside to look. In sure. the exam room. Okay. Should mm-hmm. I talk about that again? No, no, no. I was just, just clarifying like that I was saying it right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anoscope or Yeah, it took me a while to figure I was like... Mm-hmm. I, I just would run into her office and be like, <laughs> did you... <laughs> Did you? <laughs> Did you do this? Because I got to charge for it. Basically. It's like weird baseball calls. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's billing. Yeah, she's got all kinds of hand signals for me. Um, so why don't we talk about the surgical treatment of hemorrhoids? I'm sure everyone's heard how painful a hemorrhoidectomy can be. Anybody talk about that ever? No, I think outside of uh, working for your office, I, I had never heard of a hemorrhoidectomy and I think um, the general consensus is you have a hemorrhoid you go get preparation H and you know you, you, you deal with your itchy butt problems and that's it I didn't even realize the extensive like how much happens from a hemorrhoidectomy let alone you could bleed out from a hemorrhoid so no yeah. to answer your question no I've never heard that until I started working for you um, Travis is that pretty I've actually never heard of it at all, but like I know you add ectomy to the end of anything, and it means like <laughs> getting rid of it. Get that shit out. So I feel like it, I just picture you with like a headlamp and a scalpel or something. It, it feels like the root canal of the butt to me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Um, no, it is. It is like working in a hole. Seriously, I feel like I don't get paid enough to do anal surgery. It's it's often hard. You can't see. Things bleed a lot down there. So it can be actually quite stressful sometimes to operate in the anus. But getting back to the surgical treatments of hemorrhoids, uh, hemorrhoidectomy <laughs> is right. You're like, ectomy means getting it out. So I'm surgically excising the hemorrhoid tissue. Um, and can I remove all of it? No, you can't ever remove all of the hemorrhoid tissue, actually, because it's circumferential. But as I mentioned earlier, there's three larger columns. So most people leave the OR with three incisions. So I basically grab the hemorrhoid column with a little grasper, put a uh, suture at the base of it to control any bleeding from the feeding vessel, and then I remove that hemorrhoid tissue. And actually, it's it's quite an art to do a hemorrhoidectomy because the hemorrhoid tissue sits right on the, the sphincter muscles. And so some people don't realize that 
well, really anytime you have anal surgery, you could injure your sphincter muscles, which potentially could lead to incontinence. And that's just something that, you know, you kind of brush over when you talk to them about the risks of, a, of surgery. But it's obviously, if you're that one in a hundred people that has a issue with your continence after a hemorrhoidectomy, then it's, you don't care how many people that happens to, but you dissect the hemorrhoid tissue off of the sphincter muscle and then you close up the incision. Some, some, some people close the incision. Some people leave it open. I tend to close at least the internal portion because I feel like less patients come back with bleeding. Um, and then sometimes leave the, leave the outside open. Um, you know, I don't, I've been trying to like do my own self-study of what you do externally and which looks better with the healing process because you can't ever predict how someone's going to heal in that area. So what, and what is the recovery that you normally give? Because I'm going to tell you something here in a second, but what is, what is the recovery? So most like? people, the worst pain's in the first four or five days. After that, it usually gets better every day. And most of the pain is, is completely gone at two weeks. The first, I remember the first patient that I came across who had an hem a hemorrhoidectomy and I had, they had explained to me like this, she, she had the worst surgery. Like she had a hemorrhoidectomy and it's the recovery process is terrible. It's the worst. She tells him that. And I was like, oh gosh. And sure enough, the woman like came in, in a wheelchair. Um, and then we have thresholds. So, you know, I, I had to prepare her for the bump. So she was like holding herself up, could barely even sit on the actual wheelchair itself. She was kind of like perched on her side. So the reason why her recovery was so hard is because she didn't follow her post-op instructions. So she did not take medications to prevent constipation. So, so a lot of people think, well, I'm just not going to go to the bathroom. That's going to be the best way to heal from that is not going to the bathroom. But the reason she was hurting so bad is because she was impacted. So she, oh. she, tried not to go to the bathroom and her stool got so hard and stuck up inside that then she couldn't go to the bathroom. So the reason she was in so much pain is because there was a rock of stool up inside pushing on her incision. So so that's why that lady was in so much pain. I see. Yeah. Well, that was my introduction to hemorrhoidectomies. <laughs> and I was like, every single patient after that, I mean, and it, it is, it's a, it's a pretty, the, the recovery time, it's a lot of them you know, had a, a couple of weeks where it was kind of hard. And, but lately, I mean, I, I tell them like, she's got magic hands. I don't know what it is, but Dr. G, like all of her hemorrhoidectomy patients, we expect them to, you know, go through the whole process. And usually it's their, their first follow-up visit. It's like their graduation day. I'm always like, you graduated. Yay. <laughs> and then, it, and it's, 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 it, I think it kind of just, you know, says a lot about her. And, and I guess that one, that extra incision that you do that where you can decide whether you do it or don't do it probably plays a large part. Just that one decision you make. I don't, I don't know. Obviously I'm just like, yes, Vanessa, I, don't... I have magic hands and that's just how people don't have that much pain. Memory, so. <laughs> uh, no, it's giving them the appropriate expectations. So I tell them it's going to be really painful. And, the, and there are ways to help with that pain. So they actually make a numbing medicine that can last a couple of days at least. And so that helps with the first couple of days of pain. Um, and then after that, you know, they have pain medicine to take as needed. I prescribe an anti-inflammatory, a topical lidocaine, and they also have a post-op cream that has a little concoction in it that helps with the healing process. Um, but, but that in combination with letting them know what to expect. 
warm tub soaks, make sure you take stool softeners and things to keep your bowels moving because it's best to have, you know, actually a solid bowel movement, but to make sure it's not hard. And, and some people are like, well, I'll just have diarrhea because that seems like it'd be easier to, mm-hmm. to move through there. But actually it's, it's better to have solid bowel movements and diarrhea. Diarrhea can kind of get up in the incisions and it's hard to clean, you know, like when you're trying to clean yourself after having a diarrhea versus if you have a perfect bowel movement and you don't even have to wipe because it's so both so from how much, fiber. How much would you suggest for them to communicate with you? Like uh, what, what, as far as during the treatment when they're not having their follow-up, like when, when is it that they need to make you aware of any concerns? after following a hemorrhoidectomy? Well, they usually have an instruction sheet, so it kind of lets them know what to expect. A little bit of bleeding with bowel movements for that first week is expected. Um, Pain, definitely expected. Now, fever, chills, anything like that is not expected, so those are always reasons to call. Nausea, vomiting, so not being able to eat, those are reasons to call. If you go three or four days without a bowel movement, those are reasons to call. So so there there are instructions on the post-op sheet saying, if you don't have a bowel movement, you should probably call us, you know? So so they kind of know, I guess, the trigger points of when they should contact us. So just following, I guess, so I'm giving you the credit, but it's actually the patient doing the job. Yeah. <laughs> Reading. <laughs> they read the post instructions. <laughs> so after the, uh, the uh, hemorrhoidectomy, there's obviously like, you said incision. Is that like getting stitches or? Yeah. Like a door of the explorer band-aid or they usually definitely have some sutures okay? okay and as i mentioned i was trying to figure out how it looks better externally if you close the incisions or if you don't yes. okay that's because you said close i didn't know if you're using some kind of glue or like no so so with the stitch like usually you want to leave a little bit of the incision open because you know, people are like, well, how the hell don't these incisions get infected? Well, actually, the, the anus is very good at healing. It's kind of like the mouth. So so there's so much blood flow in the mouth that when you, like, bite your lip or get a, a wound in your mouth, usually they heal pretty quickly because there's so much blood flow that your body brings in your cells you need to fight infection. Actually, the, the incision or the cuts heal very quickly. So it's similar to the anus. So it's actually very good at healing itself. But if you take poop and you put it in a wound and you close the wound over the top like you're (laughs) that's gonna get infected right so like i usually don't close the incision all the way because it needs to drain it needs to just kind of have a way to let that bacteria and 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 you know drainage out so and is that something that like you is there any kind of prep or anything that you have the patients do prior to the hemorrhoidectomy or is it just they usually do enemas so I, it, now there's a disclaimer there that if someone is in so much pain, like I don't make them do enemas, you know, prior to a procedure. Now, if they're not in pain, there's having typical hemorrhoid surgery like that. They'll do enemas to clean the stool out, which makes the surgery easier for me. Right. Because otherwise I have to clean your stool mm-hmm. out for yeah, you. You just got to go in there and wash not, it, do like yeah, a it's not power wash. For me. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I love poop. <laughs> It's not my favorite part of the day is cleaning poop out of someone's butt. (laughs) Hemorrhoidectomy is very painful, but there are other options for hemorrhoid treatment that are not as painful. Um, And so one of my other kind of go-tos is uh, something called THD. So the THD treats only inside hemorrhoids. So So say someone comes in and they have both internal hemorrhoids and external tags that they want removed. Well, then a hemorrhoidectomy would be the treatment for them. But say they just have internal bleeding and prolapse or internal hemorrhoids that cause itching and burning because they're kind of swelling to the outside, then this is an option for them. And it's great because all everything is above where you can feel. So I can, I can sometimes tell them, you know, you're going to have a surgery where you're going to feel more pressure 
almost like the rubber band treatment that we talked about, like that pressure feeling, um, the pain. Um, but some people register that severe pressure as pain. So, so I am very careful to tell them, I don't tell them they're not going to have any discomfort because they will have discomfort, but it shouldn't be like the sharp pain, like incisions like you have with a hemorrhoidectomy. So and that's what a it, THD. And so basically what that stands for is, and this was, this was fun to like learn. All right, Vanessa, this is your test. Transanal hemorrhoidal dearterialization. Yes. Jeez. That yeah. was like all 10 the <laughs> That was impressive. Right? So, so a big long word describing a procedure where I have an anoscope that has a Doppler on it. And a Doppler is a little device where you put it, set it on the tissue and it can pick up where the blood vessels are because you hear the pulsation of the blood vessels. So so you stick the anoscope in, you find the blood vessels and, and it, in the device, it has to where I insert a needle driver that has a, a, a needle uh, suture on it and I ligate the vessel exactly where that vessel is so I hear the vessel I, I keep the scope there I put the needle in and ligate the vessel and then sometimes if they have a lot of redundant hemorrhoid tissue that's been prolapsing I kind of tack that hemorrhoid tissue up inside and so all that tissue it, it shrinks the hemorrhoids because they're not getting as much blood flow and it scars them up inside so it treats the bleeding and the prolapse with just basically six stitches around the inside of the anus. It's pretty definitive too. Like they can go long periods without ever having issues with their hemorrhoids again, but it's, you know, it, they have to fix the problems that cause them in the first place. So if you have hemorrhoid surgery, but you go sit on the toilet for two hours, every time you go to the bathroom, like potentially your hemorrhoids are going to bother you again in the future. So just blowing those balloons back up. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, you can't ever remove all the hemorrhoid tissue because it's circumferential. So if you go do those habits again then the the what's left in there can just enlarge and so you if, if you remove too much tissue your anus can actually become too narrow which is another risk of a hemorrhoidectomy is actually having a, a, a kind of a scarred anus where it's you're you can't really poop very well because there's too narrow if you were to have to have these one of these types of procedures which would your preference be i think it depends on how my hemorrhoids are bothering me, right? So so if I had outside tags to the point to where I couldn't keep myself clean, you know, the only option would be to cut them off, right? And, and remove probably internal hemorrhoids at the same time, which was the hemorrhoidectomy. Bleeding and prolapse 100% of the time would choose a THD. I mean, there, there are some patients that wake up and don't have very much pain. Now, of men, typically, uh, more than women, the most common problem that they have is urinary retention. So because you're, there's going to be a lot of pressure, that pressure feeling sometimes because the same nerves, um, you know, all innervate the bladder in the anal area, it can really affect your ability to eliminate your bladder. So, so they're unable to really push and eliminate their, their urine. So some people need to get a Foley catheter after the procedure just for a few days. Um, and then that's usually removed in the office. Party. <laughs> I have a question. So you said the anal scope, right? You've yes. mentioned it a few times. It's a camera. Is that is that, am I hearing that right? So so that's a good question because there are scopes that have cameras on them, mm -hmm. but this an anoscope and sometimes, you know, there's a, a rigid proctoscope that I use that is just I look through it. Like I, there's not a camera in it. I just put it inside and look. So basically So the imagine... scope just it basically provides it's like a device that opens up to where i can see inside so like imagine these water bottles right here yeah okay so that one is really big be, by the way can right we, can we talk about <laughs> maybe the we'll do that one instead? so like hand, hand that to me hand me the smaller one yeah 
can it never, oh, say, yeah. never yeah. say never so like let's say so this is kind of what it looks like right so it's like a water bottle on on the side okay, okay? it's obviously larger so inside of that there's going to be this white like it's like a plug that goes inside of it so what she'll do is this is actually open right here where the cap is that's open okay and so she'll like stick it in right and i and think the actual uh the white part she pushes Just, that in to I, help dilate it. So that's it. used to, like, dilate it up, right? So if you stick something that's hollow, try to shove that in, it's not going to be very comfortable. But if you have, like, sort of. if you have like the dilator in there where it kind of eases it in and then you remove the introducer. So then she's going to be able to called. see, like, everything on the inside okay. and just kind of... Does that make sense? Yeah. I was trying to think of an, an analogy, but mm-hmm. I think you holding this water bottle right. is the best You'll, thing. Do you think, just think about it when you're drinking water from now on. <laughs> 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 Thank you. Okay. Well, have we covered most of hemorrhoids? Is there something else we need to talk about? Well, so there are different treatment options and I guess myths out there outside, like home remedies. Oh, home I guess. remedies. Oh, here you we know, go. So people like, you, you know, they're... You, you wouldn't believe some of the things people come in saying they've tried. <laughs> Potatoes? 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 <laughs> there was a, an article in Reader's Digest, I think, that came out a long time ago that talked about potatoes as a treatment for hemorrhoids but i want to tell everyone there is no scientific evidence to support the use of potatoes with their hemorrhoids i mean people were like taking frozen potatoes and putting them up inside and then they can actually get stuck and that's like a foreign body that they then have to go remove so like potatoes are not a treatment (laughs) potatoes are not a treatment for your hemorrhoids Weren't you also, somebody was saying too that you would, like they would make a potato paste and then like spackle it on, like potatoes ask gratin or something like that? Can I imagine that? That that also is not any proven benefit. Okay. I don't I don't know that it would hurt you. There's a lot of things you can do that I, I, I would say they probably wouldn't hurt you if they're just not, they're not going to help you. So like gonna... witch hazel tea what? bags. I so so witch hazel can be comforting. It's not going to do anything to harm you. Um, the tea bags, I actually think the component that helps the most is the fact that the tea bag is warm. So anytime you have inflamed hemorrhoids uh, sitting in a warm tub of water, it kind of helps relax everything, improves the blood flow to the area. So can it help you break down those thrombosed hemorrhoids faster and can also help with the swelling of the internal hemorrhoids. Petroleum jelly? Is that just going to like... Petroleum jelly is good as a um, barrier. So it's good as a barrier if you're having prolapsing hemorrhoids and itching. It can help with that. Oh, so it looks like... So they were supposed to be using the potato as a compress. So it's kind of the same concept as like taking ice. And uh, I don't know, people will probably find any excuse to shove something up their butt. There's just like extra potato. (laughs) So I don't understand why you would use a potato over Over something else. (laughs) Even like a water bottle or like a... Popsicle or something? A water bottle. Yeah, you just just got a water bottle. Rocket pop? Who knows? Rocket pop. Just take a popsicle up there, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fudgesicle. But you're right. There are so many creams, so many treatments for hemorrhoids that you know, people may not know what to use. I would say the most common thing that I prescribe is hydrocortisone cream because it's a topical steroid and it takes some of the swelling out of the hemorrhoids. So you can, it depends where the issue is, but there are 
applicators where you get like cream and you put the applicator it's almost like putting the cream up inside so the okay. applicator you actually put in the anus and then you deploy the cream up inside oh, which so helps kind of like take the, the swelling out of the internal yeah. hemorrhoids right or you can just take it topically and put it on the outside where the hemorrhoid is swollen on the outside so there's different ways that you can use the creams the witch hazel wipes help kind of soothe external hemorrhoids um i wouldn't recommend putting the wipes up inside there are, are other things like anusol um, proctophone proctazol they're all kind of different mixtures that kind of help take some of the swelling out so that's the basic mechanism of action is taking some of the swelling out to help with the inflammation is there anything you can do to like piss it off like you absolutely do not want to introduce it to the area at all I highly recommend someone not lancing hemorrhoids on their own. Oh so, gosh. and I've had patients that? that have have talked about doing that before, just taking a knife and like cutting the hemorrhoid themselves. But like, like they, like they, how? Like a good friend or like, 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 like yoga instructors? They're really good at yoga. Meet up? In a mirror, <laughs> they use a mirror and no, oh my I. God. I don't know, but somehow they reach that area and they, maybe I'm assuming they're bending over forward, looking back in a mirror or something, or maybe laying on their back and kind of bending their legs up over their head. That's a whole nother <laughs> issue and concern to worry about, like being impaled, like going yeah. to the hospital and being like, I have to have this X-Acto knife removed from my anus because I missed my hemorrhoid. You said people are embarrassed to say hemorrhoid. I think like, <laughs> no matter how embarrassed you are of hemorrhoids or whatever's going on with your butt, it's going to be way less embarrassing than going in there with like, you know, like a... <laughs> Like a, like an exacto knife right. in there, or like, I mean, have you ever tried to cut your own hair and then you go into the, no. like the the, the stylist you and they're like, and you're like, I'm, you take the hat off, like, I'm, I'm sorry, and like, okay, but they're like, like don't lie, yeah, because I know the answer. Don't lie, but did you shove a potato in there? Oh man, uh, yes, that would be extremely embarrassing. I think for someone to try to. Tr- treat their own hemorrhoid in that way but wasn't there a patient the one what did she have the she had she had like yeezys on or something we remembered her a lot <laughs> because she well the thing was was that she needed surgery that day she came in um and she i think she had the way oh, it was described to me was it, she had an a butt on her butthole like the growth was like it looked like two butt cheeks together but on her butthole double butt it was the, buttception um, <laughs> yes exactly it was double um butt, double butt and this is why i get terrified and that's why i was like okay i need you to look at my butt because if you put it off for too long you can have an ass on your asshole and i don't want that so i'm like scared <laughs> and so i'm just like look i'm gonna bite the bullet you gotta look at my butt do that uh apple cider vinegar is oh. one that i saw that they want to put on on their and yeah apple cider vinegar the problem with it is it's acidic so just like putting alcohol in the area or anything like that it's it, it can be very irritating to the anal skin so it can cause a lot of burning or itching or other problems even though it may help with the hemorrhoid tissue so that's the problem with apple cider vinegar you almost have to name everything like not to do because somebody's going right. to hear like they're going to be like who would put a potato in their butt or <laughs> You know, like tea bags, that's silly. And then they come in with like... How about you just do the things that we say to do, but don't do anything else? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds safe. (laughs) Or if you have a problem, come in and I'll tell you what to do. (laughs) Well, like they're going to stumble across some like miracle cure. Yes. Well, something that they actually end up using and that we've actually seen, I guess, and can make it worse is the, the, the donut pillow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Yeah, actually, a lot of people ask about that. So I feel like 
the donut pillow makes it worse. So a pillow in general may be better because you're sitting on something softer than like say this hard chair. Um, but the donut pillow, because the middle's cut out, when you sit on it, there's actually more pressure in the hemorrhoid tissue. So it actually like can make your hemorrhoids worse, right? right? It's like centralizing the pressure and then gravity, you know, you can imagine it's like sitting on the toilet forever if you're just like sitting on the couch all day on a donut. So it's just, it's, it's not good. So like, would you suggest this a normal pillow, just something nice and cushy? Yes, and... I would suggest either sitting to the side so you're not putting pressure to the area or something soft to sit on would be great. Your hemorrhoids would appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, any other questions about hemorrhoids before we do our... Nothing I want to ask end. in front of Vanessa. Exciting. I'll hold it over you. Here, write it on this piece of paper and pass it over. We'll say it's from a listener. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the thing. We were supposed to test out all these theories on you, so time to drop trowel, right? Is that part of the podcast? Where... Yeah, so for Travis, we're going to create a hemorrhoid for him so we're, <laughs> we're gonna feed him a lot of awful constipating foods okay, and so then he'll sit on the toilet Texas and now, strain so. and he's gonna go do some heavy lifting yeah. we can't really induce pregnancy for him you so. can you could put like a like a phone charger in the bathroom that'll do it <laughs> <laughs> a tv in the bathroom oh, oh that that would, yeah. yeah we'll test every single and then we're gonna test all these uh home remedy right. theories on him to see if anything actually works or makes it better it's because a lot of the things it's just i don't know if it makes it better or worse there's just no data to support it so i mean but i can theoretically say that like you said for apple cider vinegar like it's acidic and it would not be good for your anal skin like your anal skin is so sensitive and we i I could spend 45 minutes talking just about anal skin irritation oh i feel like anyone listening is gonna have like their butt puckered the whole time right like you just just feel it. <laughs> Nervous. Okay, so for our fun little game today, we're each going to tell like a funny poop story. So, Vanessa, I think you I'm should go first. You're both looking at me. And I'm like, what? Like, what's coming next? Because I already know your poop story and I know it's funny. It's not my own personal poop story because poop actually makes me very uncomfortable. Um, I kind of had to get over it like while being paid for it, but I'm not getting paid for this, so fuck y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually um, a sibling of mine, but uh, one of my siblings, when we were uh, in elementary school, you remember you had to like wait in line, right? You go to the bathroom, everybody would go to the bathroom together mm-hmm. so that, you know, the bunch of five-year-olds aren't just running crazy or doing something, whatever, in the bathroom on their own. So it was the bathroom break and um, I don't know, or maybe they were on their way to lunch. I guess that doesn't make sense. I don't know. He, maybe he was just shy in, in the bathroom and he couldn't go and, well, he was standing in line and he felt, he felt a little urgency to go and... I guess he had a lot of fiber that day or something because he had like the most perfect poop roll out of the side of his pant leg. I don't know, he wasn't wearing underwear or something. Was like, was like, <laughs> going commando. Get stuck up in his underwear? Like how do, how do you maneuver that? So it rolls out of his pant leg and then he just kind of, you know, just kicks it along like nothing happened here. <laughs> so it rolls down to the end of his pant leg rolls and he just to his foot and he kicks and then, it. Yeah, and then he just kind of kicks it away like uh... So Nothing no one sees see. like the poop ball sitting in the in the hallway. I don't have the details. 
Right. He didn't return to the scene of the crime. Right, right. <laughs> just, go, go, just, go, just go, just go, just go. Just go. <laughs> All right, Travis, your turn. So I was at the a dog beach with my dog. Uh, it was the ocean, so there's some decent waves. And my dog, it was her first time, and so she would swim out into the waves. And then she realized that if she turned around, the waves would push her and she'd kind of like body surf in. And she went out and did that like three or four times. Then she came up onto the beach with the tennis ball that she found, dropped the tennis ball in front of me, and then just rocketed just like a laser of water out of her butt all over the beach in front of like tons of people. She had like a lightsaber, a brown lightsaber coming out of her. And uh, I was just like staring. She's just like staring at me, smiling. And I was like, you know, she was happy, but I was like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, just standing there with these like dog poop bags, like looking at everybody, like, what do you want me to do? Just start put like collecting the ocean. Just a bunch just of sandbags. Sand yeah. Hold it up behind her. She's like actually shooting it into her. the bag. I would, I'm yeah. trying my hardest. Yeah, so, I just I just went and like kicked a bunch of other sand over it and I was like I don't know. So I feel like you're like looking at everyone being like look I'm trying like yeah. you're holding the dog back but like does anybody really You should have just gotten like upset about it like whose dog is, yeah, this is what this is course. ridiculous where is this owner I'll meet you at the car. <laughs> Do you guys ever go to the dog park and you know your dog pooped but by the time you turn around with the bag and walk over there you're like shit and you're looking around you can't find it so you like pretend to pick up like a ghost poop just yeah, really? like the people watching you <laughs> just some like a chuck of dirt or I'm something i'm doing something i promise no Don't no i feel like there are the people that do that and then there are the people that actually pick up someone else's dog poop in replace <laughs> of their dog poop they can't find what was it you pay it for to poop yeah that's funny okay well my story um so people ask me all the time like if if I ever get pooped on. And so this is like the closest I've ever come to getting shot in the face with poop. So (laughs) yeah. So I have this patient, he's in the hospital and he's actually a um, paraplegic guy who is usually severely constipated, but he had a lot of bleeding from his hemorrhoids and he was actually anemic from his hemorrhoids. And so I was seeing him for the first time and was getting ready to do an exam and he had like the complete workup um, for his bleeding. So he, uh, he had a colonoscopy, he actually had an upper endoscopy and he had the pill camera, which um, is not a replacement for any type of scope, but it's the only way really to look at all the small intestine for bleeding. Um, so you swallow the little pill camera and then it takes pictures as it's passing through the bowel and then the GI doctor reviews all the pictures and looks for a source of bleeding. So the only source of bleeding they found were his hemorrhoids. So I was going in to evaluate him. So I have a little anoscope that I brought from my office. It's like just a little clear piece of piece of plastic like Vanessa was describing like a water bottle but like really small to where it's like clear see-through the ends open it has a dilator that you advance it with the guy is laying on his side I'm getting ready to do an exam before I ever stick the anoscope in I always do a digital rectal exam so I stick my finger in and um you know I just kind of had this feeling like there was a lot of pressure up in there, but I was like, uh, okay, well, I'm going to put the little anoscope in. So, so normally what I do is I'll put my face down, you know, like at the level of the anoscope and I'll stick it in and then I'll pull the middle part out. But at the last second, I'm like, maybe I'll just move my face. So, so I, I have the anoscope in, I'm holding it and I pull the dilator out. I had just moved my face and I am not exaggerating that shit shot four feet off the bed like across the room 
all over everything. I like, see your lightsaber, and I raised it. <laughs> shit geyser. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it was the most projectile shit I've ever seen in my life, and it almost went in my face. Like, it was literally a second away from going in my face, and I was just like in shock i was like oh my god thank god thank god i moved my face what, what would i do what would i don't even know what i would do like there's like a shower in the room i think i would run over and turn on the shower and like literally take a shower in front oh, of the yeah. patient like in all my clothes like I, eye wash I, station I, thing I, yeah i don't know i mean I, I wear glasses so like when i'm at work i usually have eyeglasses on but that may have protected me a tiny bit but with the how projectile that was i can't imagine there would have been any surface area well you weren't from like, from the head yeah to you weren't like surgical chest. ready either right so it's not like you had an actual mask on. no i did not have like and this is before covid yeah. so this is like before um so i said the other day so this is probably like i don't know like eight months ago or something but like it was like no, I was not prepared for surgery. I was just doing an exam. I did not have a mask on my face, like which everyone probably out there listening is like thinks I'm crazy. I'm like I'm going anywhere near, but you're gonna be fully clothed. But um, anyway, so that's that is the closest I've ever come to getting shit on in my face. <laughs> my face. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, it's been a good run today. Um, we want you to. Um, ask any questions if there's anything that we didn't touch base on or any these questions are kind of ones that we feel are like relatable in some sense but I feel at the same time there's also things that we don't experience like I don't have children you have a child Travis but you when I'm not in the bathroom right right when you're not avoiding your child (laughs) um so as far as like pregnancy related the only babies you were having at that time were food babies huh So, yeah, I feel like, you know, if there's any questions or anything. So the best way to get a hold of us or ask any questions would be to DM us on Instagram. Um, Anything but normal is going to be the handle. And that's A-N-Y-T-H-I-N-G-B-U-T-T normal. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining. We hope your day is as good as your butt.